following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. One of my favorite theologians was the late Irma Bombeck. She addressed worrying in a way that I think we can all relate to. She said, I've always worried a lot, and frankly, she said, I'm good at it. I worry about introducing people and going blank when I get to my mother. I worry about shortage of ball bearings, and I worry about a snake coming up through the kitchen drain. And I worry about the world ending at midnight and getting stuck with three hours on a 24-hour cold capsule. (laughs) I love that. I worry about getting into the Guinness World Book of Records under pregnancy, oldest recorded birth. I worry what the dog thinks when he sees me coming out of the shower. I worry that one of my children will marry an Eskimo who will set me adrift on an iceberg when I can no longer feed myself. I worry about sales ladies following me into the fitting room. And I worry about oil slicks and I worry about Cindy Crawford going bald. And she said, this is my greatest worry. I worry about scientists discovering someday that lettuce has been fattening all along. (laughs) You know, know, worry is something we're all familiar with. Come on now. Worry is something we're all familiar with. And I know we use those little phrases like, you know, fear knocked at the door and faith answered and nobody was there. You know, worry knocked at the door and worship answered and nobody was there. But that's just little sayings that we say. We still have worry and anxiety. One man said, you know what, I used to worry, but then I found somebody and I hired him to do my worrying for me. And the guy said, well, how much you pay him? He said, I pay him $1,000 a week. And the guy said, aren't you worried you're going to run out of money? He said, I'll let let him worry about that. (laughs) 3,000 years ago, a, a, a man named King David wrote one sentence that should forever be the roadblock of this word called worry, this little five letter word called worry. It was a song, in fact, because he was a psalmist, and it was in the book of Psalms. Psalm is a collection of hymns. In fact, Psalm is actually a hymn book in the middle of God's book. Of the 150 songs in this collection, the 23rd is the most popular. It was what we call David's greatest hits. It has topped the charts longer than any other song written in history. That's a fact. It has 118 words in English, and it's the most familiar 118 words in the thousands found in the entire Bible. I call this psalm good vibrations. It's just good vibrations. It gives you a good vibe. When the chips are down and the times are tough and the road's rocky and the news is bad and the world has collapsed and the sky is black, this psalm gives you ooh, 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 good vibrations. (laughs) That's my Beach Boy imitation. It gives, quit it. It gives healing for hurting people. It gives hope to the hopeless. It gives help for the helpless and encourages those that are discouraged. It gives strength for the weak. In fact, all scriptures in the Bible have keys to the understanding of those scriptures. And David has hung the key on the, right on the front door of this psalm. Verse 1 is a foundational verse. It's the only one I'm going to talk about today. And everything else David has to say follows in truth with this verse 1. David gives us three reasons, folks, why faith should be in and fear should be out. And on this October Sunday, the first Sunday in October, I want to address it today because 
It's time that we quit living in the fear that has gripped our world. And it's time to start living in the faith that only comes from Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody, help me. And why we should spend our time worshiping God instead of worrying about things. You know, the anonym in the Old Testament in the Hebrew of worship is worry. And we don't need to be worrying and biting our fingernails. We need to put up those nice nails to Jesus and say, I praise you because he is our God. Psalms 23 and 1 says it this way, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Everybody say nine words. Nine words. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I want to I break this down. I want to just break it down piece by piece. I want to broadside you. I want to keep hitting you with this because I want you to leave here today understanding that there's no need to walk around with worry and anxiety in your life. You can have a peace that passes understanding and you can know the permanence of God in your life. David told us this. He said, the shepherd is permanently responsible for the sheep. This is what he told us in Psalm 23. Everybody say he's permanently responsible. This entire Psalm 23, the 118 words, is based on the imagery of the Lord being a shepherd and the people being the sheep. In fact, Jesus in John 10 and 11 called himself the good shepherd. He said, I am the good shepherd. And the analogy of the relationship of God to his people is being a shepherd to the sheep is found throughout the Bible. Let me say three words here to you. God is good. Let me give you three more. All the time. God is good all the time. For example, he will feed his flock like a shepherd, Isaiah said. What Ezekiel said, he said, I will establish one shepherd over them and feed them to be and, and feed them and be their shepherd. Psalm said it this way: Know that the Lord He is God. It's He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. You know, empires and countries for centuries have adopted various animals to symbolize their national spirit. The United States adopted the eagle. That's a powerful bird. Russia adopted the bear. That's a powerful animal. And Great Britain has adopted the lion, the king of the forest. And all these animals symbolize strength and power and independence. But God, God Almighty chose to represent his people as sheep who need a shepherd. And sheep are mentioned over 500 times in the Bible, more than any other animal. But some people are offended because they're being compared to a sheep. But I don't look at it that way. I focus on this fact, that God is compared to a shepherd. Hallelujah. And if he is my shepherd, I will be his sheep. That's encouraging to me. Because being a shepherd, folks, is a 24-hour, 365-day-a-year job. Sheep, the shepherd is permanently responsible for the sheep. And the sheep depend entirely on the shepherd for everything, for food, for water, for shelter, for safety. Being a shepherd is a full-time job. In fact, when the angels came to announce the birth of Jesus Christ, the, day he, the night he was born in Bethlehem, they found shepherds watching their flock by night. They didn't go home at night and leave the sheep by themselves. They were there in the darkest night. Here's what I want to declare before I go any further. Anything that's born in your life, anything that's born in your life will be born because you're being watched over by a shepherd in your darkest night. It doesn't matter how dark the night is and how bleak the, 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 the tomorrow looks. 
When you've got Jesus on your team, you have a shepherd that's watching over you and he's permanently responsible for you and he's gonna take care of you. David's shepherd was the Lord. Remember now this, when you see the Lord in raised capital letters, it's referring in the Hebrew to Jehovah. That name is used over 4,000 times in the Bible, the most respected name for God in Old Testament scripture. The Hebrew name really was Yahweh. It's a combination of three tenses of the Hebrew verb. Hebrew verb, Haya, Hov, and Yah. Haya means he was, and Hov means he is, and Yah means he will be. Say he was. He was. Say he is. he is. Say he will be. He will. And so Jehovah literally means I am, I always have been, and I always will be. Ah, hallelujah. Somebody ought to rejoice in that. He'll take care of your yesterdays. He'll take care of your todays and get ready. He'll be there for you tomorrow when you wake up. He's a shepherd that takes care of his flock. So sacred was that name that when the Hebrews read their Bible publicly, they used a substitute name for the name Jehovah or Yahweh. Only one person could say that name out loud and that was the high priest. And he could only say it in one place and that was in the Holy of Holies. And he could only say it once a year. That was in the Day of Atonement. This God, this Jehovah, this Yahweh, this sovereign God of this universe, who's omnipotent, who is omniscient, who is omnipresent, is our shepherd. Hallelujah. You want to rejoice in that today? The truth is so magnificent because the welfare of the sheep is the work of the shepherd. See, the sheep are not responsible to meet their needs. That's the responsibility of the shepherd. Think about this. God has made himself responsible to meet your need. He's made himself responsible to meet your need. He has everything. He is everywhere and he can do anything. Therefore, if any need you have comes up, he's guaranteed to meet it. But this shepherd, folks, is no ordinary shepherd. The Lord speaks of deity. Say deity. And the shepherd speaks of humanity. Say humanity. And David wrote about a shepherd who was both sovereign and a shepherd. He's both divine and he's human. He's both God and he's man. Does that remind you of anyone? Yes, it does. The shepherd is none other than the God-man, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. In 1 Peter 5 and 4, he called him the chief shepherd. In Hebrews 13 and 20, he's called the great shepherd. When Jesus becomes your Savior, Jehovah becomes your shepherd. He becomes responsible to meet all your needs. I love when the little Sunday school teacher years ago wanted her first grade class to memorize the 23rd Psalm. And there's one little old kid that had a little ADD and they didn't know what it was back in that day. And he tried all week to remember the 23rd Psalm and he couldn't get past the first line. He tried, he tried and tried to memorize it, but it just kept slipping away from him. And the day came. And the whole church was watching. This kid, it's kind of like me. I call myself the first ADD child. It really, I had attention deficit disorder. And it was very difficult for me to comprehend things that I read. I'd have to read them over three or four times. Then I would kind of get it. And then I'd read the next page three or four times. But he stepped up to the microphone in front of the whole church. He'd had a hard time getting the whole psalm in his, in his, in his head, Psalm 23. And he said, the Lord is my shepherd. And that's all I need to know. 
I want somebody in this house today to understand you don't have to know the whole psalm. You just have to know the Lord is your shepherd. And that's all you need to know. Not only is God permanently responsible to meet your needs, David said he's powerfully responsive to the sheep. He responds to us. He wants to help us. There's seven names of God. And the name used here for God is Jehovah-Rai, which is R-A-A-H. It means the Lord is my shepherd. So the shepherd guides, the shepherd guards, the shepherd gives. He meets all the needs of the sheep. The Hebrew word for want in the Old Testament is the word lack. In other words, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. I'm preaching to somebody right now. In Psalms 34, the young lions lack and suffer hunger. But those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. David said in Psalms 37, I've been young and now I'm old. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. Little girl told her mother, said, Mom, I want to say the 23rd Psalm to you. She said, all right, speak it to me. She said, the Lord is my shepherd and he's all I want. Can I tell you something, folks? If I could get you to fall in love with the fact that right now your tomorrow is being taken care of. He said, consider the lilies of the field. Consider the birds of the air. They don't sow and they don't reap, but their heavenly Father watches over them. And if he can take care of them, how much more will he take care of his creation? You hear me? God is for you. I'm preaching to somebody today. God is for you. And if God's for you, who can be against you? Clap your hands real big and rejoice in that. The first sermon I ever preached this church 29 years ago was this message from from, uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I preach that there are people that are need-oriented, need-conscious, And everything's a need. Everything's a need. And so they panic when needs come up. And they panic when situations arise. But God is the only one that can take care of those needs. And when you get God-oriented, the God-orientation takes care of the fright and frantic over the needs of life. And Paul said, my God is so big, he can not only take care of my needs, he can take care of your needs. So today, if you're having a problem with your God taking care of your needs, you can borrow mine right now. He'll take care of your needs. He'll take you up and lift you higher than you've ever been in your life. Oh, I feel like preaching right now. He is the God that can handle your needs. Why worry when you can worship? You know, you know, when you think about this, if you knew that for the rest of your life, all your needs were going to be met, you wouldn't worry one ounce. You wouldn't worry. And there's only one way all of your needs will not be met, and that is this, if God lies. And God cannot lie. But I'm going to put this on the screen, and I don't want you to think I'm thinking bad here, but worry calls God a liar. Come on now. I want you to wad up worry in this hand. Just wad it up. Just wad it up. Come on, wad it up. Let's do this. And just say, get out of here. And nobody did that. See, nobody did that. 
You need to do it. Wad it up. Come on, wad it up. Wad it up. It's trash. Worry is trash in your life, and it's trying to bog you down, and I'm the trash man. I'm coming by, and I want you to throw it in the garbage. I'm going to pick it up, and we're going to take it to the dump. It's time to throw worry away because there's a God that is your shepherd today, and he will take care of your needs. Somebody help me preach today. You can book that. You can book that. Hallelujah. I'm sorry out there in TV land. I just had to dance a little bit. Forgive me. Stephen Ambrose wrote a book called Undaunted Courage. And in that book, it's the story of Lewis and Clark's expedition from St. Louis to the Pacific Northwest. And President Jefferson realized that when Lewis and Clark reached that western Pacific Ocean, they'd be without money, without clothes, and without provision. And so to deal with that situation, Jefferson did something never before done in history of this country and hadn't been done since. He provided a letter, watch this now, of credit to Lewis. I guess he didn't trust Clark. (laughs) Authorizing him to draw on any agency of the U.S. government. Anywhere in the world, for anything he needed, he wrote in this letter. I also ask of the consuls, agents, merchants, citizens of any nation to furnish you with those supplies which your necessities may call for. I love this. And to give more entire satisfaction and confidence to those who may be disposed to aid you. In other words, if they don't even want to aid you because I've said it, they're going to aid you. I, Thomas Jefferson, President of the United States of America, have written this letter of general credit for you with my own hand and signed it with my own name. This will go down in history as the most unlimited letter of credit ever issued by the American president. Folks, he was just a president of America. I'm talking about the God that made the whole world. If a president can issue credit, there's a God in heaven that can issue mercy and issue grace and issue favor. Oh, somebody help me preach right now. No matter where you are in your life right now, there's a God that says my grace will reach you. My favor will lift you up. My mercy will gird you. My glory will guide you. And I am your God. Nothing like him. Nothing like him. He gave us over 7,000 promises in his word. And each one of them is a blank check. Promising that whenever... We come up against any real need in our life. He will meet that need. Boy, I wish I could help somebody today. I wish I could help somebody today. I remember going through a situation in my life many years ago. No need to talk about it. God's given me victory. But I couldn't sleep one night. I couldn't sleep. At 445, I was still awake. We had a grandfather clock and I heard the three different chimes that let me know it was 45 past the hour. And I said, God, I've got I to get some rest. I've got, a, I've got a daughter in there that's got to get up in just about two more hours. And I need some rest. Help me. Give me some rest. And you know what happened, folks? I'm going to tell you. You may think that I am a little weird here today, but I'm not weird Harold. I'm really not. But a presence walked into my room. And it wasn't the evil one. It was the good one. The good shepherd. He walked in my room. And I felt him stand right here. 
And before the clock hit 5 o'clock, I was out. And when the alarm went off at 7 o'clock to get my daughter up for school, I felt like I had rested 10 or 12 hours. Had the best day of my life. Here's what I want to declare. I don't care how dark the night. I don't care how late the night. I don't care how bleak it is in your life. There is a shepherd that will step into your world and help you with anything that you have because the Lord is our shepherd. Peter called him our chief shepherd. And in 1 Peter 5 and 4 said, because he's going to come and get us. He's going to respond to us. He's going to be powerfully responsive to us. And one day, our great shepherd, our, our chief shepherd is going to come and take us out of here. Listen, if he's going to come and lift us out, he can come and lift you up at any time. Quit worrying. Come on, say, quit worrying. Somebody wrote a song a long time ago. I wish I had the... The, 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 the music right now, don't worry, be happy. Woo! We are letting the world's worry come into the church, and it doesn't belong in the church. The world's worry belongs in the world that don't have the God that the church has. But we have a God who is our shepherd. Come on now, that we can pass on blessings and hope and favor, and smiles, and encouragement to people with no hope. Clap your hands and rejoice. Ah, man, I feel this good. And David said, one more thing I want to tell you. Somebody said, Pastor, you know, I had a need and God didn't meet it. Really? You know why God didn't meet it? Because it wasn't a need to God. It's probably a want. It's probably a wish. He'll supply your needs. The shepherd is powerfully responsible. And the third thing David told us, he said he's personally related to the sheep. He's related to us. We can call him father. He calls us sons and daughters. And Paul wrote in Hebrews 13 and 20, he called him the great shepherd. And this is what I want to conclude with today. He is a great shepherd. Oh, he called himself good because he didn't, he didn't try to climb any ladder of self-aggrandizement. No, no, no. He called himself good. Peter called him chief, but Paul called him great. And the reason Paul called him great was because he, he is absolutely personally related to his sheep. He loves us because we're his kids. There is one word in this verse that makes the entire passage operable. In fact, it's the most powerful word in the whole psalm. And it's the sweetest word, perhaps. It's the word, are you ready? The Lord is my. My. For 29 years, I've tried to get this church to believe that Jesus didn't die for this church. He died for every one of us individually. He loves you as a single person. He loves you as you are. He loves you. He doesn't love a preacher telling you that he loves you. He loves you. And I've tried to get it through your head. And Pastor Brad was so eloquent this morning, this leading service, about the love of God. Somebody needs to help me right now. Somebody needs to reach out and get a hold of it because you know what? The greatest thing you can do is not give love away. 
The greatest thing you can do is receive love to yourself. And there's so many people that try to live life giving away, giving away, giving away, giving away. Why don't you open up your heart today and let love come on in your life today? Why don't you receive what you've been giving away? Because Jesus Christ wants to bless you as a great shepherd. In London one day, a noted actor and an old gospel preacher were both invited to the same party. Someone during the party asked the actor to recite the 23rd Psalm, and the actor with a beautiful voice and perfect articulation and great drama recited the psalm. And when he finished, the crowd exploded with applause, and then someone asked the old preacher, the old pastor, to recite the psalm. And when the pastor was very embarrassed and tried to follow what the actor had done, and finally he yielded to the pressure, but he had very little of the actor's elocution, certainly none of his dramatic flair. But as he began to recite the psalm, it was obvious that he wasn't talking from his head. He was talking from his heart. And when he finished, no one clapped, but there wasn't a dry eye in the house. And the actor stood and made this statement. My friends, I appreciate the applause that you had for me. But there's one big difference between me and this man. I know the psalm. He knows the shepherd. I wish. I wish. That you'd leave here today understanding that this is not about me telling you about my God. This is me telling you about your God. This is me telling you about my shepherd that can be your shepherd. Come on, say my shepherd. Say it. Saying my shepherd is the supreme act of faith. But when he says my sheep, it's the supreme act of grace. And I tell you, folks, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the grace of God. You can't earn this. You can't buy this. You can't purchase this. This is His free will to us. He loves us. He loves you. Come on, say, He's my shepherd. I was reading how a good shepherd, Randy, if you'll help me, can locate one sheep out of the flock of 2,500 in less than five minutes. By the way he holds his head or the way he bleats or the way he walks or perhaps the look in his eye. Or perhaps maybe he knew, he knows he's been bleeding. Maybe the blood on the place on the ground where he's laid. And I also discovered in reading that lambs are not big on hugging. Maybe that's the reason some of you go to the other door on the porch. Because you're not big on hugging. Gotcha. But they have a supreme sixth sense about them, lambs do. Someone coming up behind them. In fact, they have a field of vision of about 300 degrees out of 360. Yet they have poor depth perception. They avoid shadows and harsh contrast between light and dark. But you know what they move toward? They'll move toward light. They'll move toward light. Can I tell you who the light of the world is? Jesus is the light of the world. Can I tell you who represents that? The church is a city set on a hill, a light that cannot be hid. People have a way of migrating to places where they know somebody's going to tell them that somebody loves them. Sheep are basically defenseless. But here's what I've learned. 
I got a picture of a little sheep here I want to put on the, there's a little lamb. Let me tell you about that lamb. Leave that pick up. That lamb, every now and then, a ewe will give birth to a lamb. And immediately reject it. Just, it's hard to imagine. Mothers do that. Sheep do that. Perhaps it's because that lamb perhaps was a twin and mom didn't have enough milk for both. Or perhaps maybe the, the you sheep thinking, you know, I'm tired of this whole process. Get out of my life. And that lamb is rejected and it's called a name. It's called a bummer lamb. It's called a bummer. <laughs> Anybody ever felt a bummer in your spirit? Wow, this is a bum day, a bummer day. Well, what a name. And that little sheep will walk with its head down and its eyes fixed on the ground because even the flock will not take that little bummer in. They all know the score. But a shepherd, a good shepherd, a chief shepherd, a great shepherd, will take that little lamb up into his arms and take it to his house and get a bottle and bottle feed that lamb and put it by the fire at night to warm it and sleep right there beside it and wrap it in warm swaddling clothes and put it close to his heart so he can feel the heartbeat of that lamb. And as the days go by with the same situation, that lamb gets its strength. And one day when the shepherd feels like that it's time to put him back in the flock, then he puts him back out and he doesn't have the same spirit anymore because he's been accepted. He's been accepted. And when the shepherd comes out in the morning to call the sheep, with these words, it's very simple, sheep, 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 that's what he says. The first to run to him are the bummer lambs because they know his voice. And here's what I want to tell you. It's not that they are more loved. It's just that they believe it. I believe with all my heart, I believe with all my heart that God wants some people in this house today who felt rejected in life. You felt thrown away. You know why Paul called him the great shepherd? Because Paul was one of those people. When he got converted, the church didn't believe he got converted and they they disowned him. They didn't want him around because all he'd ever done is kill the church. And now, now he was going to become a writer and build the church. If it hadn't been a man named Barnabas, the son of consolation, he probably may have never been accepted by the church. He knew that rejection. He knew it. And I want to preach to all rejects here today, right now. I want to talk to you. Listen to me. I got two minutes to tell you this. I know what it is to feel rejected. I had a grandmother that never received me as a grandson. Never received me as a grandson. I had people that never received my ministry when I was young. Told me to quit and get out. I felt thrown against the wall. I felt rejected. 
But God came and wrapped me up. When I went through tragedy and when I went through the loss of my brother to suicide and when I went through the loss of my dad and my mom, I felt the pain of it all. But every time I walked through that, I had no need to worry because the chief shepherd was here. The great shepherd was here and he took me in his arms and he fed me and he blessed me and he touched my life. And I'm not preaching about me. I'm preaching about you. Some of you need to understand this. That there's a God who will take care of your bumming days and your bumming life. And that reject that you feel from society and that reject that you feel from family. And this pastor is standing here this morning saying, God is for you. And he is related to your situation. He's your heavenly father. Would somebody clap your hands for that kind of savior? Little boy was dying. Doctor sent him home to die. Parents called the pastor and asked the pastor to come out and have a prayer with the boy. And he went out late that evening, that night. And he asked the parents to go to the other room. He wanted to be with the boy by himself. And the boy was really not really lucid. He wasn't coherent. And uh, the pastor went in and prayed with him and then went home. And later that night, he got the call that the boy had died. So he goes back out early the next morning, and the parents said, Pastor, we have something to ask you, or just something we need to know. He said, what's that? He said, well, our little boy died, but when he died, said he, he had this hand grasping this finger on his left hand. He died this way the ring finger on his left hand. He said, what do you think that's about? And the pastor said, oh, it's pretty cool. He said, i tell you what. He said, I always like to make sure people know that everything's all right in their life before they die. And he said, so I got it in the simplest language I could get it. He said, I got his left hand. And he said, he had five fingers. And I said, I took his thumb. And I said, thee. He said, because we're talking about one of a kind, son, thee. Then he took, I said, took his index finger and I said, Lord, because the Lord cares for all of us. Then I took his middle finger and I said, is, because God himself is right here. Then I took his ring finger and I said, my, my, because it takes a personal relationship with Christ to go to heaven. I took the last finger and said, shepherd, for he's the one who died for us. And he said, I didn't think he was listening to me, but now I know. He died holding my. He died holding my. That's the only way to meet Jesus is to meet him holding on to my. 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 Today I plead with you. I plead with you. And I pledge my heart to you to preach more about the love of God this fall. Because I want you to understand that this church will not reject you, will not throw you away. You're not a bummer lamb to us. 
But we've got a Savior that will pick you up and take care of you and watch over you until you get strong enough to walk by yourself. Would you stand all over the building? You're awesome people. I'm going to say a, a prayer here. Then I'm going to dismiss the congregation because it's time to dismiss. But I, I'd like, if you'd like to, if you'd like to come down and let me bless you after church, I'll stay here and bless those that would like to be blessed after the service today. Because some of you are worrying yourself silly. You're worrying yourself into a frenzy when you've got a God that is your shepherd. And he's going to take care of you. He's going to watch over you because he's related to your need. Would you bow your head? Father, I love you today. And I thank you for right now. I thank you for right now. There's no God like you. There's no Savior. There's nobody beside you, Lord. You alone made it all. We honor that. And you alone are our shepherd. And we honor that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you because you sent a flesh representative of you, of who you are. And we looked in the face of the Almighty when we looked in the face of Jesus Christ. And because we have him, we have your presence and your awesomeness as our shepherd. God, let us hold on to that. Let us take that into our lives and let us lay down at night and say, I will not worry. I will wake up happy in the morning because he is my shepherd. He's mine. He's mine. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Say it real big. Amen. amen. Say it real big. Amen. Amen.